0: This podcast is given to you by Arloka David Smith, teacher and founder of the Dharma Mind Buddhist Group. For more information, please go to dharmamind.net. I'd like to um, explore a subject... that um, I think is absolutely crucial that that really d- d- it's a way of describing our training. And yet I personally have always had a difficulty, difficulty to describe it or slice it up. And um, I don't think I've ever really come across a... A, a, a definition and i think' it's, i think it's one that that can um can be defined in many ways and can cause quite a lot of difference between people and that's how I would define this myself what we do i would call this a spiritual practice that's how i would somebody asked me. You know what do you do? Or what are you up to? I mean, I would probably say, well, I have a spiritual practice, and hope hopefully leave it at that. But then, if if the person who asked the question said, so "What do you mean by that?" then that opens up a for me for me quite a, a different, a difficult area to articulate on and to actually define. And. Um, but i think it's a very very important concept to understand and see if you relate to it or you don't relate to it or it's important or not important because to me this is so central that if you don't consider yourself consider your, your practice to be a spiritual practice then to me I, I would wonder what what are you up to and i say that because in buddhism these days um, in the West not in the East in the West there are a lot of people who would consider themselves to have a have a have a practice would bulk at the suggestion that it's a spiritual practice or they they would define it in, in a way that I wouldn't recognize and yet I think it's I think it's very crucial to know what that means to have a spiritual practice so it's really I think it's I think it's one one to explore, so that you can sort of check yourself and d- decide 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 if that's if that's your practice or not. I much prefer to, to, to say that I have a a spiritual practice as opposed to a religious practice, for example. I remember years ago that I was invited to go and help support a group of people who were. On the brink of practice, it couldn't quite take a, take that step and commit themselves to taking on a on on a practice, whatever that means. Certainly, meditation, maybe study, and all the rest of it. Um, but were very hesitant. They were just fishing around the edges. And I always remember sitting around the breakfast table, I think there were three other people asking them, you know, what, what, what your problem was, why, why, why can't you commit yourself to practice? And, and all three of them, I think this went for practically everybody in the room, so that they really, really struggled with the notion that Buddhism is a religion. I don't, want, I don't want to practice a religion, because most of those people, like most of us, have probably got, you know, a Christian background, it's certainly defined as religion, and most, well, all of us have, I suppose, have walked away from it for one reason or another. We don't; it doesn't; it doesn't suit us, or we see what's happened in the world in the name of religion, and we don't want to be a part of that. And so, um, you know, I don't want to be thought of as a religious person and joining that band, as it were. Um, and all these people. Saw that, saw, saw Buddhism as a religion, and it, and they, they felt quite obviously they were attracted to what, to what it, what was on offer—the philosophy, the teaching, and stuff. Obviously, that was an attraction; otherwise, they wouldn't be there. But they couldn't sort of bring themselves to consider they had a religious practice. And I said, well, don't think of it as a religious practice, because I don't think of it. I've never, I've never thought of it as a religious... But I never, never ever thought of myself as a religious person. What that meant exactly, I don't know, but whatever it meant, I didn't want to be one of those. And I always considered myself to have a spiritual practice. Um, and and they all... I don't, I don't know if they've ever heard of that before. I don't know, but I said, well, didn't you see this as a spiritual practice as, as opposed to a religious practice? And, you know, if it, all, all three of those people crossed the line as soon as I said that. And that probably, I say, I, I don't know, there was a fair, fair group there. I don't know if it came out, I can't remember if it came out as a, as a way of helping people. But as I say, I never, I've never never considered myself... I walked away from religion when I was 15 and I promised myself I'd never go near it again as long as I lived. And I suspect a lot of you have also done the same sort of thing. Um, so I would never consider myself to go back into, into religion, how you exactly define that word. I mean, that's up for debate anyway. But... I've never ever felt comfortable with it. But I'm totally comfortable with a spiritual practice because that's what I consider it to be. So really, then it comes, then it comes to, well, how do you find the word spiritual? That's what it comes to. And I think it's important, what's well, been important to me, and I think it's very important today in our situation, in the West, with Buddhism coming over here. Um, what, what the word means, and do we consider ourselves to be a spiritual person or on, on a spiritual journey, or not? Because I think in the West, there are a lot of people, um, and the way it's going, are ejecting, so much of the of the of the essence and, and the spirit, the very spirit of of Eastern practice, that um it doesn't, to me, seem like a spiritual practice at all. It's 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 uh, it's a it's a, it, 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 it's a logical. It, it's a it's a it's it's a, it's a journey of, of 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 intellect, of understanding, of. Um, of learning and understanding and 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 doing things that 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 fit into your framework of of your upbringing of your of your of your normal um, educational upbringing your your intellect and what what you've taken on what you've learnt in your life all the subjects and things that you're interested in you, you take this is as as, as as another one of those in other words you've got to. Read about it and listen about it and understand it intellectually understand it and then decide if you want it or not and you want it when you understand it and you won't do anything that you don't understand that you don't feel as though you quite got a grasp on that that it that it's always always within your control so you always feel you're not venturing beyond the known, really, I suppose that's what it is. It's uh, and, and, and you get this so much these days, that anything that, that smacks of anything a little bit sort of mysterious or irrational, illogical if you like, which I think characterizes the spiritual journey, if this gets objected. We don't oh we don't do that, that's mumbo jumbo. I'll only do stuff that I understand, that makes sense to me. That I can grasp, that I'm prepared to accept as being doable, and you've got the position now in the West, and it seems to be growing more and more, where where so so much of the of the the whole spiritual package that's come from the East is being ejected, so that we end up with a two-dimensional, very dry form of practice and still somehow call it a buddhist practice like again i guess you've got to define what what you mean by buddhist and there are so many things that define buddhism that that are just chucked away and yet you still call it buddhist and i i, I really i really struggle with that i mean you do what you do whatever you like you know but don't try and think or say that you're on a, you know, that you're practicing Buddhism when in fact you're doing something, you've got some hybrid thing that, that's been created that's forever been changed, where, as I say, so many of the basic principles that have been there forever are, are, are rejected because they don't fit into our logical, our logic, um, our Western logical mind, upbringing, stuff that we can define and grasp and understand. So that you end up with this, to me, of something very dry and something that's very bereft of so many important principles that actually make this a spiritual practice. Okay, if that's what you want to do, fair enough and i think a lot of people don't even bother to call it a spiritual practice they're certainly still hanging on to the to the word buddhism hanging hang, uh, hiding behind the clothes of buddhism but it, i think it becomes increasingly difficult to identify it as being so okay if that's what you want to do and no doubt it has its its value and its fruit but it doesn't embrace the whole of what I would consider to be the spiritual journey, and what what I believe is is necessary to embrace, if you wish to fulfil the promises that are made, that the Buddha made, that are, that are the promises that are that are are in place that all traditions offer us, that if they are to be fulfilled, we have to be prepared to step beyond our everyday conditioned mind because that's really what it comes to so I think it's important to sort of pick around the bits the the bits that we understand the logical bits the the formal meditation and the the systems of meditation and and, and how how they're constructed and how how you go about it and what what you put in place and what have you step beyond that. Because a lot of people think that's the be-all and the end-all. That's all that's really necessary, is to cultivate a, some meditation system. And that's all that's really necessary, and that's called Buddhism. Um, or the spiritual journey. And I think that's only part of it. Of course, a very important part, but that needs support that needs a framework in order to operate in, which, if it's not in place... I think it it misses so much that could be could be fulfilled, so it 's really a case of looking looking at the picture and looking well, am I on a spiritual journey, or am I on some something else? am I doing something else but but trying to convince myself that this is the buddha 's way this is this is the dharmic way um, and I think that's very incredibly important and I think it's an issue for, for Western Buddhism in general because everybody who, who ends up in any position of authority in Western Buddhism wants to change things. They want to chuck things away and add, add, add things. Playing around with something that's worked for thousands of years and proved to work, but still that's not good enough for them. They want to westernize it. Well, westernizing means to take it to your head. That's what you mean by westernizing, I think. That's the way it seems to me. So we need to look at this thing, what's missing. We've got, we've got the obvious stuff, the, med- the, the, the meditation technique and all that. And that's, you know, yeah. let's leave that to one side. But let's look at a bigger picture and see what we need to... To to also put in place to support that, but also to 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 broaden it out, so that we actually do come to the heart of the matter and not miss the heart altogether. So we have to we have to look at this thing, and I think it's quite a nice little thing to. Um, I mean, I've never had any trouble with it, but I I've, I've, so very difficult to. Uh, find the words to to break up something that actually i think the essence of the spiritual journey is not conceptual i think that's what it is it's not a conceptual thing it's not a thing that you can create a formula around meditation you can create as many formulas as you like but the but the but the spirit the heart of it is it's it's very um very difficult to define, very difficult to make tangible so that you can understand it. Um, But I think it is something that does need to be contemplated. And I think it starts off with, you know, something we, I don't think we've ever really spoken about, spoken about is is the bodhicitta and the, the arising of the bodhicitta, which is always said to be what, happens to people who come to this training. It's what brings you to the training, it's the arising of the bodhicitta. And the arising of the bodhicitta, to put it in in crude terms, is a desire for enlightenment. And that is supposed to be the thing that brings you through the door, that brings you to the... to take that step into what we do. And that really is saying that actually it's not an intellectual motivation an intellectual decision that actually brings you to this like it it would take you to the local college or university in order to, to to study something it's not that that mind will take you in that direction but it's not that mind that will take you in this direction of course your intellect is 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 there because you've read about these things and you've thought about them and spoken about them and maybe heard talk, so you sift and sift and sift and sift to see if it is something that you want to do and, and you get some grasp of what's going on. But taking you across this threshold in, into a practice um, wouldn't be intellectual, it wouldn't be your head if it is, if it is something that just purely interests you in that way, sure, I mean, scholastically you could study this forever and get, and get a lot out of it. But if you consider that, consider that that part as being all you need in order to, to change and to fulfill this desire to, to practice, that's all you need, then you won't be around very long. It won't last very long. There has to be something else present in order to keep you. That that brings you there, that when you're there, that keeps you there. And that's the bodhicitta. That's that's not the intellect. That's not the the me that's... the the ambitious mind that's, that's after something. There's a part of you that wants to be free. There's a part of you that wants to know why, what all this duck is about, why life is like this, that you're tired of playing the game and you want to know why and you want to shake it off, you want to be free, you want to be light and free of it all. Well, that's not your intellect. Sure, that can get in there and get a piece of the action, but that's not really what it's about. That's, that's that thing that's always interfering there's something bigger at play with you that wants to, that wants to rise up and free itself, because it's, it's it feels that it's in shackles and it's not right and it's had enough and it wants to go on this journey of getting to the bottom and shaking things off. This is the bodhicitta. So that once it once it comes up and once you give it enough space and it's around long enough, not necessarily that long, and 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 you have the enthusiasm, you come to this training with great enthusiasm, lots of idealism, and you think it's all it's all a lovely a lovely a lovely trip into the light, and and you come possibly quite soon, to difficult places, and it isn't the way that you thought that it would be or the way that you wanted it to be or the way that you have read in these books, that actually the reality of this training isn't isn't the way that I thought it would be, and there's a part of you that doesn't like the experience, and yet you can't walk away from it. It's like you've crossed a line, even though it's difficult, and and you begin to realize more and more how difficult it is. That this isn't a nice, simple walk in the park, but it's something very challenging for you. It's something that's going to be really quite, quite difficult to keep going. Um, That you don't, the, the choice of walking away from it is gone. You've been hooked and you can't free yourself. Well, that's not your intellect. That's not your ego, as you might think. And that bit of you that won't let you go, is who you really are. We won't let you walk away from it. I always remember the, the Zen Reishi that used to come over from Japan once a year to the Zen group. He always considered himself to be a fisherman and all his, all his job was, was to go around with a, with, a, with, a, with a rod and a hook, just throwing this thing out to people that would take interest and follow. He said, all I wanted to do is just hook them. And once you hook them, they can't get away again, and they won't never leave. I mean, they might leave him, but they won't leave what he has, what he, what he has on offer. So that you know, there's something, there's something strange going on there, isn't there? Because very often in life, if, if there's something that you're doing, some hobby, some pursuit that you're doing, and you get fed up with it, as you do, we all experience. So oh, I've had enough, and I don't do that anymore. Just chuck it away. But somehow you can't treat this in the same way, even if even if you make an absolute. For a a massive effort to throw away, i.e., leave a group that you've that you've attached yourself to, leave a teacher, and go wandering off. So I've had enough of this. I can't be doing this anymore. You'll be back. You may be able to push it away for quite some while, but you'll, you'll be back. You won't be able to bury it and forget about it. You've opened a door. You've opened a door that you can no longer close. And actually saying that, the sooner you can accept that rather than fight it, the less ducky you'll create for yourself because you've started something that you can't turn on, something that's that's bigger than you. So don't fight it because you're never going to win. We do fight it very often. Go ahead and fight it. But you'll be back. If it's not here, it'll be somewhere else because there's something there it has nothing to do with your desires that is bigger than you that has started the journey and will not turn back so rather than fight it, embrace it and encourage it because it will always win that's the, the arising of the bodhicitta as I see it that's and that, that bodhicitta's got nothing to do with your intellect and your personality and your intelligence and your upbringing and what you've done in your life. That comes from a completely different part of your makeup that you've not been aware of before, not even been in touch with. But it's never, it's always been there. It's who you really are, it's who carries you. And is that which which is the real th- the real part of you? But you've managed to convince yourself that you're somebody else, and you've marginalised it. Well, now it's it's seen the light. It's risen up, and the difference between that worldly those worldly desires, and that worldly worldly strength and ambition that that we that we can have. The strength there and the strength from who you really are, there's no comparison. It's like, it's just that part of you that you've developed is so so feeble in comparison that if it ever become, comes a fight, which we often do, in fact this is what we do continually, it's a fight that you will never win. You might win, you, you may win the battle, as the saying goes, but you will never win the war. In fact, if you want to look at it in those terms, you can get temporary, but it will always, it will always be, it'll always, always be coming back. And that's the real, to me this is where the whole notion of a spiritual journey, a spiritual path, a spiritual attitude, is to be found, is is grounded. And that's not in the intellect, that's not in the conditioned. Where Western Buddhists want to do their Dharma practice, they want to do it wholly, some want to do it wholly in the conditioned mind, in the dualistic conditioned mind, so they're always in control, they always understand, they know where they're going, and it's always a, it's always a, always being in control, just like you are normally in your normal life. This is coming from that part of you that actually you can't control, that, that, you, that you don't understand. It will be never something that you will ever possess, it will always become a part of that, of that world of control that you're familiar with. Something that will always be mysterious because it's beyond the intellect. Call it the unconditioned. Because you don't understand it doesn't mean to say there's not a part of you. So you don't you don't get it because it's not it's not been got at. It's not been put in it put in boxes. But it's still a part of you, and that and it's that part there that, that's where you'll liberate. That's the spiritual, the, sp- the spiritual unfolding, the sp- the, the, the fulfillment of this training is to be found in that part, in the unconditioned. The conditioned will never you will never be free in the conditioned. It's impossible. It cannot do it. You can use it, it can be a part of the raft, a part of of course, you have to use it. You have to incorporate it to some extent because it's a part of you. But it's not the beginning and the end. It's it's you use it as a skillful means to take you to a part of you that's the re- who the real you that that part of you that's rising, that's coming up and saying, "I've had enough. I want to be free. I want to get rid of this 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 samsaric world that I've created and be free of it." That's where. That's where you'll be free. That's where you, your, your so-called enlightenment, if that's what you want to use, your awakening is in that part of you. It's not in this part. Of you. In fact, less part of you that you're so that's so precious to you literally does not exist. becomes non-existent. That's how that's how that's how how concrete and how incredible and wonderful it is. It just it just disappears. It shows its true nature. That it's a complete creation. When you wake up to the real, the real part of you, that's there permanently. That doesn't that doesn't disappear, but it's permanent, not permanent. And that's the whole. To me, that's the whole focus. That's the whole motivation is to, is to is to open is to open to that part of you. We know about the other part, what it does when you get involved with it. We need to go on that journey into that part that's a complete mystery, and that will never be a possession. That will never will never become a part of the conditioned mind. So you will never possess it. You will never understand it in the normal way of your normal understanding mind. This mind, you, you that will it will never fall into that box. And yet we have to, we have to make it, we have to make it our focus. What? What, what, what can I do to encourage that, that bodhicitta, if you like, to become bigger and more present, to break through, to fulfill, to carry me, to sweep away all of this dukkha that I've got? What do I have to do to encourage it? Rather well, than just sit by and look. That you can't do. There has to be an engagement. It requires you to engage and it requires you to engage in a way that you you will be engaging with, with 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 a with, with, a, with, a, with a training that will absolutely challenge you, will absolutely challenge the conditioned thing that always wants to be in control, that always wants to know. That will be challenging that continually, and encouraging you to. To, 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 to let go of that, of that part of you that you are so attached to, that's so precious to you, to, to let go. When you let go, you, you, you begin to open to who you, you begin to discover who you really are. That's where your liberation is. That's the spiritual, the journey, the spiritual journey into the part of you that's not a part of that, part of your everyday mind. That to me is so. We have to find ways of how do we how do we get how do we how do we go on that journey? See, you have know, to call it a spiritual journey, but for, come on, I need a bit more than that. I need a bit more substance around it. But the actual thing itself isn't it isn't isn't something intellectual. It's not a part of the world that you can put in boxes and define and talk about and give definitions to. This is, the, this is the difficulty with this. You have to discover it for yourself, but don't expect it to be an intellectual discovery. You feel it, you open to it, and you begin to identify with it and trust it. But we need to encourage that, that potential, that possibility. And that's, as I say, I consider that to be, that's the spiritual journey. That, that that includes logic and common sense and skillful means but it's not that's not the beginning that's not that's not all what it's about but to evoke that spirit to help to bring that spirit through I've never as I say I've never been able to in many ways in many ways it's it's uh, it, you you your your you're going against that spiritual journey by trying to put labels on it, by, putting, by dragging it over and putting labels and putting definitions on it. You're actually missing the point, as it were. You're doing the very thing that you shouldn't be doing. But at the same time, if you wish to communicate, you've got to, you've got to drag it over and, and cut it up. You know, to me, it's a bit. You know, it's a bit like the Eightfold Path, if you like. You know, there are eight steps. I've never, I've never considered going through each particular step, because I mean that's just the theory. That's if you want to know the, the, the parts that go to make up the Eightfold Path. The Eightfold Path itself is not something that's made of eight parts. I don't believe. I believe it's only, if you like, it's only one. But we cut it up in order to understand it. So we slice it up. But actually, the, its reality, as it were, is not is not something of eight bits. It's just one. For myself, I've never can I never go there. But what we do is is, is is definitely the fourth noble truth. It's the eightfold path. But we don't cut it up into little bits. We just embrace it. And and and. Fulfill, fulfill its 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 parts, if you like, without getting caught. And I think to do, to define the spiritual path is exactly the same thing. We don't cut it up into little bits because that just becomes another ego thing, another conceptual thing, where you kill the spirit, take it into that part of you, and take the spirit away, and put it all in boxes and understand it. But in order to communicate... <laughs> That's what you have to do. But don't misunderstand that that's what you do in in reality, as it were. It's allowing you to to, to get it so that you can embrace it all and merge all the parts together without getting stuck thinking, "Do, do, do one bit at a time, as it were. And I've never been able. I've never, in fact, a couple of times it's sort of come up in the bits that I've written in my books, um, and, and I, I said, try to define the sort of training that we do. Um, you know, you can do so much, but I said, well, it's it's really the spirit. <laughs> it, 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 it has its own spirit. It's the spirit that separates it from 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 an intellectual dualistic. Um, conceptual thing that we we don't bother with any of that. We just take it all as one, and so, so there's a spirit there that that takes you. But I've never been able to define what that spirit is. I just say it's a spirit, and said, I think I've actually said I don't know how you define the word spirit, but it's it's the spirit that sets us apart from so many other forms of training. But having said that, quite recently I came across somebody who has actually defined the word, defined the spiritual path which I'm reading um, I think he's uh, a he, he he's, hit the, he's hit the nail right on the head and for the first time I, I was able to but when looking at it, it's exactly what we do, it's exactly the teaching. Um, but we don't we don't look at it in those terms. we we, we don't look at it in the in the terms of splitting it up into little bits, but rather we tend to embrace and take it part of the part of the whole. But he but he but he um, but he has defined it, he has given this what I've never been able to do to find the spiritual path is give it a definition. It's a bit like the Eightfold Path, which is actually, which is actually a form of direct seeing, of a wisdom, of seeing and knowing, of seeing the path. But the bits you don't see, the bits have to come after, as it were, in order to communicate what that thing called a path is, what, what that Fourth Noble Truth is. So that's like a conceptual thing. And this chap has done that and, and in order to communicate it needs to be split up so that you get the essence why this is a spiritual path and not an intellectual one, why it separates us from those people that seem to think that they can walk this path from the neck up whereas by you do need this but, but to take it as a whole. And he's got it in good. Uh, three, six, nine, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight, eight, eight. Oh no! It's usually in ten, ten, in ten bits. That's what people do. But isn't it always? After everything, everything comes in tens. This is more. But I'll, I'll read through. I'll read through them and and then p- pick over them. This is this is to me. This is this is to me. Is what constitutes the spiritual part, and, and all of them are familiar. You're not going to get anything. i you not going to get anything new at all from this. But it's a reminder that we need that we need to to, to scoop to scoop it all up, put them all together to define the spirit. This this is this is my spirit, and I say you'll recognise them all anyway. So it's not it's not going to be a The acceptance of the ups and downs of life—it's our acceptance training, isn't it? uh, That's—we forbid you with that. And to be honest with yourself, come back to the things. Come back to it later. To show gratitude toward life. To trust in others. service to others don't take yourself seriously live life just now write speech forgiveness humility trust your inner nature your inner guru and be courageous and I think if you put all those together that really, to me, and if you can, if you can um, cultivate all of those features, then I think you can consider yourself to be on the spiritual path. There's a lot of stuff there that you won't find, in and a lot of Buddhist um, um, instruction on how to meditate and how to, to become enlightened i don't I, there are there are things there that, that 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 you don't go near, but I think in order to fulfill that journey of 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 breaking free of breaking free of the conceptual mind that we're trapped in, but that the bridge that will take us into the unconditioned is is where your liberation, your true liberation is to be found um these 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 are the aspects that we need to to bring into our training to be alive and to be aware and to to recognize to, to to know because they all come up in our practice and rather than sort of well yeah okay just give give these things attention and look at them and see what you can do to cultivate. Them because they all need to be cultivated. They're all not going to just fulfil themselves, but it needs it needs you to step into them and to and to and, and to learn how to work with them skillfully in your daily life. As tasting the ice cream, not up here, but doing it. Um, so, you know this this again. This is not a step-by-step thing where you go from one to the next and one number one is more important than number two or, or, or vice versa. And you, you, you can put them in a bag and shake them all up and look at any anyone, anyone you like because they're a part of a whole. It's, it's not a hierarchy in any way. You must be careful not to go down that road and give things this value and, and, and lay things out in nice, neat logical, understandable things. That's not spirit. It's not the spirit of this training, is that we deal with things as they as as life presents us with circumstances and how we experience our life. And then whatever 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 feature is 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 prominent that that we need to work with, that we need to encourage, open up to, become alive to, then that's what we do. And then the next, and the next. But to actually like the eightfold path, you can stamp back and you can see them all as one. I mean, they've been laid out in this way: um, the acceptance of life's vicissitudes, the ups and downs of life. You know, I mean, that's really at the heart of the training, isn't it? For us, is not to is not to rock and roll with things, but to to, but to, to find to, an equanimity with circumstances, um, you know, rather than, you know, some things we run after and we want and other things we run away from because we don't like the look, of them. we don't like the look, we don't like the fear maybe, we don't like the challenge. Uh, um, so we, we become very reactive because we're encouraged not to do that, we're encouraged to just be and stay with, and, and deal with, with with situations as as they rise. So we, we we bring a sense of equanimity to all things, in the same way that that when something comes to us that really that really that we really want some desire. In the same way that we don't run away from things that we try to stay with in the same way that w- rather than be carried away by things that, w- that we do like and, and, and lose ourselves and, and lose any sense of who we are and what we're doing, whatever the ethical thing is, w- whatever, but rather than go charging off that way, we also pull that back. And doesn't say we can't engage and enjoy, but we don't get carried away and lose ourselves. In the same way, the things that we don't like or the things that evoke fear, evoke the, that really challenges um, rather than de- going into the defensive mode is, is is our habit looking after ourselves and denying the situation. Rather open up and bear ourselves to the situation and deal with it in in, in a in a in a as a human and as skillful way as you can and be with it rather than deny at least be with it rather than run away from it. We're encouraged to do that. So if we can do that with things that we don't like and also and also we strain ourselves from from you know the desires and the maybe the addictions, the habits that we got of running after and indulging. That's what I was after. Indulging in things, pull back, see so that we find a balance. Because life is like that, isn't it? Even on a daily basis, but we don't we don't normally go very long without having experiences that will that are very high or or, or or very low things that you know, when life comes and gives us a bit of a a bit of a kicking. Is to is to try and is to is to have that. Well, it's equi- at the end, at the end, it's called equanimity. Is that you 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 you, have, you you rather than go with this choppiness, highs and the lows, is to is to, is to find this. The line between the highs and the lows, that is called equanimity. It's so that you're always always looking for that, and actually the the other word for that is is the middle way, where you're not carried away by things, and you're not pulled down by things, but you find that space between those two opposites, which means there's, there's a commitment, that means there's an input. There's restraint and there's there's also opening up. It, it, it's, it's challenging you on on so many different levels when you look at that. But this is what we can get on a daily basis: small things, big things. But but the opportunity there is, is with you continually, of just finding. Don't get reactive all. That's what it is: is reacting all the time. Whether how you define that. Reaction and buying into it, and being and being caught and carried by that reaction, but rather just pull back and just maintain maintain a, a middle path with the, with those things, with those daily those daily experiences. Is you know, something that, that, that comes to all of us. Virtually on a daily, some, some of us definitely on a daily basis. Some of us have got a bit more equanimity and, and things don't bother us as much as they used to. And Hopefully this training will take you to that place where you don't get caught by things in the way that you did in the past. And you do get much more of a sense of equanimity where things, in a sense, I will sort of look upon as sort of passing through you. So that you don't, you experience it. It's there. It's not denial, but you don't get caught by you don't get you don't get carried by these things. And that's where your dukkha comes from. It's <coughs> called attachment. As soon as you get involved, you attach. When you attach, you create dukkha. Simple equation. That's it in a nutshell. But you can learn to just let things pass through you, whether they be desires or visions whatever the spectrum may be. You can learn to keep that that, that, that balance, train yourself to, to find that equanimity. But this is what we've spoken about directly and indirectly all the time to me. So it's very much at the heart of the training. But this is a part of the spiritual journey. And you like to think that, you know, Everyone who does this practice actually has that as part of their practice, never mind about fulfilling their meditation practices. It's about taking it off the cushion into your daily life and having that equanimity in your daily life. So you learn to still the waters. The water that's going like this all the time, being blown by the winds... begin to level off more and more and more and when they level off as they say simple you you can begin to see you can begin to see into the below the surface of things and, and make the discoveries below the surface that's what we do it for to create that environment well that's one of the something you're familiar with but that's a a taste of the What you could call the spiritual part. I don't know if everybody who does this would actually consider that as being a part of their training. I don't know. I don't know. You don't always hear it talked about, spoken about. But you like to think people do take that as being a part of their, part of their journey. But it's certainly a part of the spiritual journey, spiritual path. Well, time has beaten us, really. So that's that's the sort of introduction. I think I hope that makes sense to you. We'll we'll tease it out a bit more as we go along, because there are every 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 feature every feature of the spiritual path that's a challenge. It's not a walk in the park. None of it. Every bit of it is challenging your ego, who you are, who you think you are, your person—the very thing that 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 that, that, that entraps you, that, that creates the dukkha, that makes you feel as though you're locked up in you know, in a little box somewhere, and you don't have that space, space and freedom that that, that we all desire—the the, the bodhicitta that wants to be free. Every bit of it's a challenge, whatever. Angle you come from, every bit of it is is a challenge to you. Do you want, do you want to rise to the challenge? And unless you do, I don't see how the, this spiritual path. A is, A is, is an authentic path, and B that it will it, there will be fulfillment from that from that cultivation. So we'll pursue it as we go along, see how we get, how we do. That will do for today. Thank you.